eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Perception, the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Coe, Matt Harmon here with you on Reception Perception, the show. We've got a big show today, and I say that every week. But uh, for reals, we actually do this time, Matt, because for the very first time ever, ever, we're going to have a guest on the program, dude. I know. I can't believe we've, um, well, you know, when I, we've got an hour-long podcast here, give or take, and yeah. I can't ever shut the hell up. It's kind of hard to. Uh, <laughs> Same. <laughs> kind of hard, you know, with the two of us can't, you know, neither one of us can shut the hell up. It's kind of hard to bring yeah. in a third voice here, but we're going to do it and it's going to be great. Oh my goodness. Uh, I can't wait to to introduce him, but, uh, and he's going to be joining the program very shortly here, but Brian Baldinger uh, from the Odyssey Podcast Network is going to be joining us here. Uh, you guys probably know him from his Baldy Breakdowns, NFL Network, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, and he's going to break down this upcoming receiver class for us uh, and talk about some teams uh, and, and what holes they need to fill, what roles they need to fill at the wide receiver position. But uh, I want to start the show, Matt, talking about Nuke Hopkins because, boy, he did it. When they say a picture is worth a thousand words, I, I mean, it really is true because yeah. this this quote-unquote interview he did with cbs sports really he didn't say anything that was the whole gist of the the interview by the way brilliant move uh if you haven't seen it go watch the video but nuke is asked about four teams and he's not to say he he's asked not to say a single word but just give a facial expression um and about what he thinks uh about teaming up uh with these various um you know, organizations. Anyways, uh, the four teams that, uh, that, uh, the reporter threw out there was the jets, the, uh, the bills chiefs and, um, who am I missing here? Oh, the Patriots. No, so the jets, well, Patriots, bills and Chiefs. Nuke wanted to miss them too. Spoiler alert. So <laughs> that's exactly right. He showed no love to the jets and Patriots. The jets one is interesting. I, Mm-hmm. I wonder, what do you think? You think he kind of showed them, he kind of gave them the cold shoulder because they don't have Rogers firmed up or is there something else? 
I think that could be a big part of it. You know, I mean, hey, maybe Nuke is like the rest of us and thinking this this Rogers thing, the fact that it's not done yet is weird. Okay. I know that everybody thinks it's like this nebulous, like, well, they can just get it done anytime. What's the I mean, the hard deadline, I guess, is the draft, but hey, even if it's after the draft, it, well, I mean, they can just give them picks for it's like for God's sakes, just one of you two gentlemen, Joe Douglas and, and Brian Gutekunst. Just give it a freaking rest, okay? And, like, lay down your ego and not, like, have to win this trick. Just get it over with already. Like, for God's sakes, you know, Joe Douglas is out there, like, fan events saying, he's coming, he's coming, which is weird yeah. to say about a player that's not on your roster. It's weird. It's Correct. weird, okay? The whole thing is weird. It's strange. And I've, if I'm New Hopkins, I know that was, like, rumored, too. Like, oh, maybe they could get interested mm-hmm. in the DeAndre Hopkins thing after they didn't um, get Odell Beckham, like, and I do think that receiver core could use uh, another outside body, oh God, like yes. another oh another God, yeah. separator for sure. So it's, but I'm if I'm Duke Hopkins, I'm I'm like, yeah, no, no, I'm I'm good. I'm I probably you know I don't want to get stuck with like Zach Wilson if this whole thing goes wrong. <laughs> I know, right? But golly, could you imagine Duke Hopkins on the Jets too with Aaron Rodgers? Man, like, uh, it 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 checks so many boxes for New York. In that, okay, not only are you getting uh, a, a great player in New Hopkins, I know he's you know a little longer in the tooth, but the guy can still play. Um, and you talk about that championship window uh, there for the Jets, but you're also getting a guy who is a consummate professional and could potentially show you know some of the younger receivers, i.e., Garrett Wilson, the ropes a little bit, man. So offer a little mentorship there. I just think, man, that would check so many boxes. Uh, for the Jets, and they should absolutely try to get that done if they can. All right, but the two teams that he showed real interest in in just terms of facial expressions uh, was the Bills and, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the problem, Matt, is that neither one of these teams have any cap space. Bills got five and a half million, uh, and I think an effective cap space, I think they're like four and a half million. KC's got 4.3 million in cap space. Listen, man, like, if Nuke wants to take a huge pay cut, they can obviously get it done. But, dude, keep in mind, yeah. he's due $19.5 million next year. I, I can't imagine a guy going who's in his 30s, who's, again, still close to his prime, looking to take that much of a pay cut. I just don't know how that would work. You'd think they'd probably have to either, you know, extend him or restructure his contract to the point that you bring the cap hit down and you give him like a big signing bonus or something or something like that. You know, um, I, I it can get done. It can always get done. You can be creative to bring a guy in like that. Yep. But um, and, and I, I do think like if you're DeAndre Hopkins, too, you're getting to the point that you've played you've played as the safety blanket the security guy for kyler murray and then deshaun watson before that and then obviously a line of ridiculous quarterbacks that the texans rolled out there you know but but like you've been that guy that's like let me help groom this young quarterback be the guy that like he gets into the building and you know you you feed me 10 15 targets a game and we're going to go to work and i'm going to be open and it's going to be great we're going to do the thing if I'm him, I'm trying to win a Super Bowl now. Because by the way, while yes. he was doing all that stuff for the Texans and Deshaun Watson, they mostly stunk, or like they were a fringy playoff team. And then yep. he went to the Cardinals, and like they went to the playoffs one time and got waxed. Oof. And then you Oof. know it's it's Oof. it was obviously a rough ending to his Cardinals tenure right. there. So I, I get why he wants to go to the Bills and the Chiefs. You know, established quarterback 
that you just have to learn the ropes with as opposed to let me help grow this guy and be, you know, and also, I mean, he would have to be the number, theoretically, be, I mean, he'd be the number one receiver in Kansas City, but they still have Travis Kelsey. And in Buffalo, he would be, you know, uh, the probably the number two receiver to Stefan Diggs there. So I understand why he wants to go to those those places. Obviously, as you mentioned, from a quarterback perspective, it's or salary cap perspective, it's going to be tough. And I do think he's interesting, too, for these teams that, like, uh, Kansas City, I think, could probably use – I mean, they could technically have a guy that, you know, that they could experiment with the slot. They could experiment as the as the big X receiver. And obviously with Hopkins, like, there's not a ton of big X receivers in this class, but he could still play that role. Yeah, I think with Kansas City, it probably makes the most sense. I would just love to see what Andy Reid's brain would do uh, to kind of integrate in a guy like New Hopkins in with that offense. That would be a lot of fun to see. Um, and and if he ends up going to Buffalo, I don't know how they pull that off, but if he ends up going to Buffalo, uh, I, I think everyone would recognize that he would be the two. But I, I think in 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 the media and on the team, it'd be like a one a one b. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I yeah. think first, I, I think sure. that's what it'd be. Yeah, build as uh, for Buffalo. Yeah, Josh and Diggs just have such like a insane chemistry um, that, and they know each other so well. They've they the, right. at times last year, um, like I remember talking to to Stefan Diggs about this at the Super Bowl. Like at times last year, they looked like they had taken their relationship, sort of taking their relationship to the next level, right? Like they're we're ready to move in together type of phase where, um, <laughs> you know, you you start to okay. As right. as a wide receiver, like you can you you can play a little more off script because the quarterback just has that inherent trust in you, or they're gonna rifle that ball to you on like back shoulder stuff, and they just know you're gonna get it. Like and and the, some of that was because the it was by necessity, not necessarily by design, because of the other options there in Buffalo's wide receiver room. But you know, I think Hopkins could could get on the same page with Josh rather quickly too, just because he has. He has a ton of experience working with all different types of quarterbacks, like I said, from yeah. ranging the, the the quality scale there. Yeah, no doubt. Um, by the way, are you buying any of this uh, Stefan Diggs is unhappy in Buffalo kind of uh, no. chit-chat? No, 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 no. He's I mean, in- I don't know. I mean, where else would he go? I mean, like, I, I, know, I know the losses have been frustrating. Uh, yeah. And I, I would definitely say Buffalo, despite the fact that they won, what, 13 games or whatever last year, I, I I think it's fair to say they disappointed um, in certain stretches of the year. I think the injury to Josh Allen certainly played a role in that. Um, but I, I go back to, I just, it's not a good look when Sean McDermott is supposed to be your defensive guy, uh, a defensive head coach. And quite honestly, they, their defense took a big step back last year. Um, and Josh Allen had, just had to be Superman. I mean, it was just, yeah. it was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, so I understand where some of that frustration may come from, but I'm kind of with you. I, I'm not necessarily sure I buy that because I mean, he's digs a smart guy. He's got to look at the landscape and say, okay, well, where the hell am I going to go? Where would yeah. he go where you add him into the mix? Like, and realistically add him into the mix. Um, and then, you know, they become a Super Bowl contender. It, it would be somewhere in the NFC. I would imagine uh, but he's not going to fit in with Philadelphia, not with what they got going. I mean, like, I just, I don't know. Uh, so it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Buffalo is interesting too. Sean McDermott, he's going to have to take on more responsibility with the defense this year because Leslie Frazier is taking the year away from coaching. Um, right. And if you look, just look at their drafts lately, especially on defense, like they've spent a lot of high 
equity picks and and they're running a little bit cold on defense like uh, the pass rush particularly it's it's been tough and look that's how that's just how being a general manager goes in the nfl it's so funny like we get uh, even howie roseman like everybody loves howie roseman at this point but we forget that he was like literally banished to siberia by chip (laughs) kelly for a while there like these (laughs) these things are so up and down up and down and like john schneider in seattle another great example you know the guy could like not miss early on you know just drafting like hall of famers like richard sherman on day three and like russell wilson in the third round and earl thomas and cam chancellor and then they went through like a 10-year period where their drafts were just total dog shit and then last year every single pick was amazing you know we real we real (laughs) rebuild the offensive line we rebuild the quarterbacks we have ken walker oh by the way we totally smashed a russell wilson deal i think brandon bean is in a little bit of like we got Josh Allen, great pick. We developed him. We made the Stefan Diggs move awesome there. We're running a little cold now. They need to, you know, this is what happens. But on the Diggs thing, I do think, I think at some point he'd like to play with his brother, you know, in Dallas. Mm, um, that's a good call. And I have, said, call. I have said that I could see that happening at some point just because those guys are so tight and they do really, really want to play together. But, um, yeah, I don't buy into any of this idea that, like, the Diggs and Allen dynamic is off. Just, I mean, you know, they were like yapping with each other at the, at each other at the end of the Bengals playoff game. But you have to remember that was a, you know, Diggs number one is a highly emotional and player. You know, he's even said yeah. that like I'm never going to be okay right. with losing. Um, and right. that was just such a, a such a tough season. Like we can never forget, you know, what that the end of that season entailed for them, including you know Demar Hamlin, like their teammate dying on the oh field, my God. basically, and, That's you, know, right. you know, the yeah. whole thing. So. It was an emotional end, I think, to the Bills' uh, season, and you know, I I think they're perfectly equipped to getting back getting back at it. But yeah, I don't I don't think there's any big uh, digs thing going on there. But yeah, I, I definitely think at some point he'd like to play with his brother. Okay, so let me throw two. Uh, and by the way, I love that uh, him and CD Lamb and Michael Gallup. Oh my goodness, what what, what an interesting Brandon Cooks. That would be. Uh, Brandon Cooks and 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 we're, we're just gonna run going four on. wide. Let's just go. Let's just yeah. run four wide. Uh, we got Dak Prescott out there reading defenses. Um, I mean, let's just, I mean, forget about the running backs. We're just going to go forward and just, let's just go. We're going to throw every down. Let's go. I, mean, I, I love that call. Um, okay. But let me throw out two teams that I think are realistic in the new Hopkins um, sweepstakes. That, to be honest, I'm surprised we haven't heard um, these teams linked to nuke at all, but I'm going to throw two teams out here for you. Uh, and I want to get your reaction to that, Matt, and uh, what you think, um, the fit might be, et cetera, et cetera. All right. First of all, I'll throw out the Jags. Okay. They've got 11 million in cap space for, for next season. They've got Calvin Ridley coming off that suspension. They've got Christian Kirk. Uh, and obviously Trevor Lawrence looks like a budding superstar. Okay. So you throw Nuke Hopkins into that mix of Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, and, and Trevor Lawrence. Mm, could be interesting. The second team, and this one really surprised me when I looked at it, but how about the Browns? Like, why why is there no rumors about the Browns making a move for New Hopkins here, okay? He gets to reunite with his boy in Deshaun Watson, and then on top of that, they made a trade to go get Elijah Moore. Okay, then you team him up with Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, New Hopkins. My God, Matt, that's a, that's a spicy, hot little trio right there they got there in Cleveland. But the Jags in Cleveland, uh, your thoughts on Nuke and what his potential fit could be uh, there. I, I don't even want to say potential. I'm just saying pie in the sky fit. Yeah, theoretical. Those two teams. Yeah, theoretical. Because my God, I, I look at it on paper and I see, uh, and, and I see really, really good things. 
Yeah, and, and both of these teams, too, I think have uh, they have good tight ends, Evan Ingram in Jacksonville, but he's only on the franchise tag. And then David Njoku, tight end for the Cleveland Browns, took a nice step last year, could be even, I think, better this year. And they both have what I would say are like passable number three receivers in Zay Jones and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, right. they, they have guys that are like, all right, look, if they don't make a new Hopkins trade and like this guy's their third receiver behind uh, Elijah Moore at number two and Christian Kirk at number two in, in both respective spots, like we're going to be okay. But I think the Jacksonville one is interesting that you bring up because I still feel like Jacksonville, number one, again, if Calvin Ridley, if, 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 if Calvin Ridley comes back and like he's the same dude that he was before, like, I think they have a number one receiver. I think they have a guy who's a true separator um, that can win against press man coverage. I mean, you just look at the 2021 reception perception profile on the site. You see how good he was. Awesome stuff. Um, even though the stats are kind of down, you have Christian Kirk as a slot receiver. And again, you have Zay Jones as like a, a utility number three receiver. I don't think they have like a true ball winner in that group, right? Like a right. an X receiver that you can throw like fade routes to jump balls, stuff like that. Cause Calvin Ridley's a separator. He's an undersized skinny separator. Christian Kirk is like a vertical slot receiver who can win contested a little bit, but again, he's going to do it in like the middle of the field. And I don't think Zay Jones is that guy either. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jacksonville, they don't even trade for Deandre Hopkins. They, they get like a, you know, a big bodied potential X receiver project guy, like an AT Perry type who we talked about, um, yeah. like maybe groom him as an X receiver. Uh, so I think Hopkins would make sense there. Cleveland. Uh, yeah. I, Cleveland. I don't know. Cause they're, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious how they're going to line these guys up next year. Um, but I kind of feel like Cleveland is okay with if Elijah Moore gets back to being the guy that I think he can be. I think they're okay at wide receiver, but um, yeah, both of these teams, it would be like sort of an embarrassment of riches if they ended up trading for Hopkins, I guess. Yeah. Listen, I, I'm not saying that either of these teams need new Hopkins, but we talk about it specifically on this show all the time. You want to be special in one area. That's why when we first started doing this program, uh, started doing the podcast and we were talking about, Oh, should Cincinnati take, um, an O lineman or should they take Jamar chase? And you and I yeah. were in complete agreement. Oh, go take Jamar chase. And then all of a sudden uh, you have a passing game. That's, that's now special. And that's what yeah. it is. That's what it is. And that is that, that special trait of Cincinnati of what makes them su such a tough out. Uh, again, it's not because they're balanced across the board. Screw that, dude. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> like, be special somewhere and make somebody take that away. That's what wins games in the NFL. Um, and so, again, I look at Elijah Moore and I say, okay, um, I know he can play outside, uh, but he could certainly play inside, right? And then you talk about Amari Cooper, I think, playing a little bit off the ball sometimes, maybe being flanker, maybe mm -hmm. moving him around. Um, yeah, that's where you know, you inside outside. Sure. That would be great, right? And then Nuke as your your prototypical win the ball in the air X receiver. So, um, and again, he's got that built-in chemistry with Deshaun Watson too. Look, man, you got Nick Chubb, you've got a good offensive line. You add Nuke Hopkins into that mix, and all of a sudden, Kevin Stefanski's out there running amok with his with his game plans and stuff. Like, bro, I, I I would just be if I'm Cleveland, I would be trying to go all in on trying to get Nuke in there. I actually kind of think that the more I thought about this, the, these two examples, that's why I like the Jacksonville one, because you have Trevor Lawrence on the rookie contract and like that's not going to last forever. Right. Um, and then then you have like, I, and again, I, I think DeAndre Hopkins is very underrated as a route runner and as a separator, but just kind of on this train of thought, like you have 
one of the best ball winning X receivers out there in DeAndre Hopkins. You have at his again, hypothetically, he's back to his old self. One of the best separators in the NFL and Calvin Ridley is your flanker. And then you have one of the best slot receivers and one of the best vertical slot receivers in Christian Kirk. You've now given Trevor Lawrence everything he needs. That would be Trevor Lawrence's like Stefan Diggs moment, you know, for, for, for Josh Allen, you know, he's, you know, AJ Brown for Jalen Hurts. Like you could have looked at the Eagles last year and be like, you know what? They've spent a first round pick on a mm-hmm. wide receiver last year like they've got yeah. a guy they've got dallas goddard um, wide receiver was a, yeah but wide receiver was uh, the more i'm talking about the wide receiver is still like a huge need for for philly last year because howie roseman who we just mentioned had whiffed in the draft so often jalen rager with <laughs> um jj arcega whiteside side what what are you, know, you doing yeah a lot a lot of whiffs there for for howie at the receiver position before finally oh. getting it right with Devonte smith so yeah no i think that that Jacksonville one, actually, the, when you when I when you say that, I think it is interesting. Either way, I think that Hopkins gets traded on draft day. I think he ends up being a. Um, I think he'll get. It'll be a tr- trade package that feels small for a player of his, um, resume and ability and what I think he still has left. But the salary is going to have to be adjusted. I think he knows that too. I think he's oh, yeah. open to that. And, um, you know, that's going to be a part of it. I think he's going to end up being like a draft day trade. And, yeah, I mean, dude, the Cardinals roster, I can't play for Arizona this year, bro. I mean, come on. Like, have you seen have you seen some of the defensive players on the Cardinals (laughs) roster? It's it's a disaster. Disaster. And then when when Hopkins is like Buda Baker wants to trade, too, and he's like probably there. If when Hopkins gets traded, it's like either him or Marquise Brown is the best player on the team, Um, you know. They've got a quarterback. They've got a quarterback who's injured and that they don't believe in in Kyler Murray. (laughs) Um, Their offensive line needs work. Their defense is a disaster. No, uh, look, the Cardinals. Their receivers are all like your size. Oh, I mean, uh, completely like five, eight, five, nine dudes just running around, man. Like I just it doesn't make no sense, man. Like Arizona is going to be an absolute uh, disaster. Um, Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do. So no, I, I like, I, of course I understand. I get it. Um, but yeah. And, and they, they need to start the rebuild. I mean, let's be real. Mm-hmm. Like at this point, they need to start the rebuild in Arizona. Uh, the reason I like Cleveland a little bit more than Jacksonville, and this is the last point that I'll make. I, I feel like, and I know that Jacksonville made the play or the, you know, they had a better season than Cleveland just straight up. But I feel like, with the addition of New Hopkins, they would be a lot closer to winning a title than Jacksonville would be, mostly because I think that they've got more pieces on the defensive side of the football, and their offensive line, to me, looks a lot better than what Jacksonville is putting down on paper as well. Quarterback has to play better than he did last year. Uh, for 100%. Cleveland, which... I think probably happens. I mean, hey, I've said this on the show before, but like, I'm not here to like, let's, n- let's give Deshaun Watson the benefit of the doubt. You know, these are problems <laughs> of his, right. These are problems of his own, of his own making, but he didn't you know, spend much time in the off season with the team. He didn't, he obviously was not there the entire season. So you can make excuses for him, but bottom line, like, he, he has to play at least at Trevor Lawrence's level from last year to be like uh, for this team to reach his potential. And ideally, you'd want him to play even better. Right. So I think if I'm buying stock in the quarterbacks, I'm buying stock in Trevor Lawrence over Deshaun Watson. And, and that, yeah, that usually ends up being the tiebreaker for me. Although I, I definitely think from like a fantasy angle, um, I think Cleveland's offense could be really interesting for fantasy because I, th- I don't think you'll have to pay premiums for these guys in drafts, especially like Elijah Moore, obviously. But 
you know, if Deshaun Watson bounces back, I think they could tick up the pass attempts. I think they could uh, um, be more efficient as a passing team than we're used to. But, yeah, it's all about the quarterback play. He's got to play better than he did last year. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Reception Perception, the show. James Cole and Matt Harmon. All right, y'all, for the very first time ever, on Reception Perception, the show. We actually welcome in a guest. Brian Baldinger played in the NFL for a decade. He's been an NFL analyst for TV and radio for the past two plus decades. My man is an absolute workhorse. He's a machine. And you probably know him online for the Baldy Breakdowns. We're talking about Brian Baldinger and his In the Huddle podcast. He and his co-host, Jason Lockin for are going to be hosting the Odyssey NFL Draft Show on Thursday, April 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern. And we're going to be streaming it live on the Odyssey app and Odyssey Sports YouTube page as well. Baldy, did you know that you are our very first guest on the program ever? I mean, I I know that now, but uh, (laughs) I've just been waiting for the invitation. So here it is. Let's talk some wide receivers. Let's talk some NFL Draft. Let's talk football. Hell yeah, man. I'm excited to to do this, Baldy. You know, for me, I'm, I'm... constantly charting and, and watching the tape on these wide receivers and you know especially for for this class man it's it's an interesting group um I kind of have more of like a, a a wide view question for you first before we get specific on players when you and I think there are so many examples in this year's class of kind of these um these Looney Tunes college offenses that make it really tough to yep. to like transition to the program you know I'm thinking about these Tennessee wide receivers for, for people who aren't familiar with the college game and how it, it differs between the NFL game, 
what are some of the things that you see for these Saturday wide receivers that, that, that like translatable reps that you're looking for when we're actually trying to get like good reps for guys when we're trying to transition into the NFL? Well, I mean, if you're watching, I mean, just Josh Heupel's offense at Tennessee. I mean, it reminds me a lot of Art Bryles back when he was at Baylor. And, you know, the receivers are lined up outside the numbers. Um, you know, one side of the field is, is a go. The other side is just resting. Um, Chip Kelly did some of the same stuff, you know, at Oregon, brought it to Philadelphia. It could be effective, but, I mean, honestly, if you're Jalen Hyatt and you're the go side, I mean, the other side, like, they're just – they don't even go off the line of scrimmage. You know, and <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's tempo, it's tempo, it's tempo. Um, Tennessee isn't as much as a Big 12 offense where you have inside receivers – outside receivers, inside slot, outside. You literally have a different coach coaching the inside slot receivers versus the outside, outside. You know, so it's just, you know, I mean, you don't get that. I mean, if you're uh, Stephon Diggs, you're all over the place looking for matchups. Yeah. If you're Devontae Adams, like you could line up anywhere on the field, you know, looking for a matchup, you know, three by one uh, in the slot. You could be running switch routes to the outside. I mean, that's NFL. You Cooper Cup, you could line up anywhere you know, with the Rams. So, you know, these, these college offenses, because of the playing at the tempo, a lot of them are playing at, they don't do that. And so it's much more simplified. And so, you know, you, you have to ask yourself, some of these guys, like what level route tree can they run? Because right. I know, you know, if you're at Tennessee, you're running stops and goes. Okay. But that, you know, that's, that's a limited, it's a limited tree. You know, and I'm not knocking, you know, Tennessee. They beat Alabama this year with that offense. So, yeah. <laughs> it, you know, you, you look, I understand. I, I played for Steve Spurrier at Duke. Like, we, you know, our passing game, we were, you know, further advanced than Clemson and Tennessee. We, we beat those teams when I was there. But, you know, um, the, the passing game is the equalizer in college football if you don't have trenches built like Georgia and Alabama. And this right. is how Tennessee and some of these other teams can compete. Kind of piggybacking on that, Baldy, what are some real specific traits you look for? Because, again, not all offenses are built equal, as Matt Harmon uh, indicates. And some of these offenses, like he suggested, and you're, you're talking about at Tennessee, it, it's just – you just can't – I mean, you literally cannot run some of the stuff that they have at Tennessee and TCU, right? So what are some traits? Well, you know, you're trying to find out, you know, if they go up against a good corner. Can they beat a good corner? You know, if, and will they press them? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of these corners are just off the ball corners, you know, in right. various schools. And But, you know, sometimes you go up against a school that likes to press the line of scrimmage. How do you get off the press? How do you get off the bump? Um, what do you do? Like, can we see a release? Can you stack a corner? Um, you know, can you get the corner to, you know, turn his hips and then beat him? Like, you're looking for the releases because the release is just about everything in the NFL when you're going up against, you know, elite corners in this business. So that's one thing. How do they track a deep ball? You know, like some of these guys, you know, I mean, it's just hit or miss where they can catch a deep ball and how they track it. You know, do they have to keep looking back for the ball the whole way or can they see the flight of the ball and just dig and go get it and then put their hands out like a Devontae Adams and catch it? So I'm, I'm looking for some of that. Um, route running, like, look, th there's certain traits that make Justin Jefferson a great route runner. And there's some, some of those guys in this draft. And then there's guys that aren't great route runners but are great receivers. So mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have to be a great route runner to be, you know, a great receiver. Amari Cooper is a great route runner, always has been. Uh, he takes a lot of pride in being a router. 
you know, some quarterbacks, you know, haven't been real good with him um, because they're not patient enough with him. You know, that doesn't mean that you're not going to be a good receiver in this business. It's interesting when we talk, especially the the quarterback wide receiver relationship, you know, because some of these guys like spending so much time with wide receivers are inherently spending so much time with quarterbacks. And, you know, I mean, Jared Goff and Cooper Cup, I always come back to that connection that he loved to just see it and throw it. And Cup being so good on these short to intermediate routes, it was always such a good relationship there. But um, you brought up Justin Jefferson and, and, and sort of the traits that make him a, a great Route runner, a great receiver on the outside in the NFL, despite being kind of uh, almost exclusive slot receiver his final year at LSU. Do you see any of that same stuff with Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's I know your top rated receiver. He's my top rated receiver in this class as well. Uh, an almost exclusive guy in the slot at Ohio State. But I think he shows you some of the man coverage um, ability to, to win as a potential flanker receiver, at least on the outside. Yeah, I mean, look, Justin Jefferson, you know, his last year, he was in a slot because there was Jamar Chase on the outside, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they, they had the best receiver in college football playing outside. You know, it, it's a mistake the Eagles made, quite frankly. They thought yeah. that Justin Jefferson was a slot receiver, you know, not knowing that, you know, the year before – I mean, they knew, but the year before he played outside. So, like, I don't see – honestly, I don't see Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase in this draft. Um, it's yeah, just – I, I just don't see it. Now, Jackson Smith and Jigba, like, I want to – make him my number one but you know look I watched him against Toledo he ran an out route in the third week of the season he didn't play, get on the field the rest of the year you know he played 60 snaps like even in the first game against Notre Dame you can see Marvin Harrison was already the number one receiver now he might just be that good I mean if Marvin was in this draft would he be Jamar Chase he might like we got to see you know another year but look Jackson Smith and Jigba 2021 exclusively in the slot look you got Garrett Wilson you got Olave. You know, you got these guys. He lived in a slot. He had 1,600 yards. Um, can I? Can he play outside? Outside? Yeah, he can. It looks like his best football so far has been in the slot. Um, it's kind of the slot receiver draft, honestly. Uh, that's right. kind of what it, the, the strength of it looks like. But that's, you know, that's the question that a lot of these teams, probably starting with Chicago at number nine, is the injury a factor? Like, is this something we got to contend with? Like, you can't get healthy and back on the field in 12 weeks. Um, these are some of the question marks around him. But, you know, uh, his route running and how he won from the slot. And do I think he can play outside? Yeah, I think he's got the size to do it. And, you know, the, the suddenness and all that stuff that you're looking for. All right, so your top five uh, after listening to the uh, to the podcast, the In the Huddle podcast, of course, you can find that wherever you find your podcast. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers is your rough, uh, you know, top four guys there. Uh, give me a receiver who you think could get overdrafted and or has the most downside risk. Look, I mean, Quentin Johnston, I mean, Quentin Johnston looks like he's a true X receiver. You could put him out there against the number one corner opposite the tight end, and you could let him run go routes. Uh, you know, he can run every route. I mean, he cross, shallow crosses the whole thing. But, you know, jump balls, go routes, I mean, that's his specialty. I mean, he plays the ball in the air really well. He's got a big frame. He's got long arms. You know, his, he's, he's had some drops. you got to say, okay, why does he drop a pass when he does? I mean, is it his hands? Is it concentration? Is it being contacted? Is it a contested ball thing? Like, you have to answer those questions. So that's a guy that, like, I, I want to love because I see against Michigan, you know, catching a five-yard shallow crossing and making a house call. You know, right. like he can just open up. I see him 
down the middle of the field in the Big 12, and he could just jump, you know, in the middle of the field in front of free safety and just go make these body catches that look acrobatic. You know, kind of what you have to be able to do, you know, when you 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 make these kind of throws down the middle of the field in the NFL. There's going to be a free safety back there contending with you. You know, it could be Minka, it could be Javon Holland. There's a free safety back there waiting to go get it. I've seen A.J. Brown go jump right in front of Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, for <laughs> touchdowns this year. Right. Like, I don't have any doubt that A.J. is that kind of animal. Like, I think Deon- like Quinton has to sort of still prove that he could be that type of animal to us. Yeah, there's always the things we don't know about players unless you you know are with them, unless you're in the facility and you spend time with them. Is like sure. not to, to come back to the cliche, but like how much dog does he have in him, right? Like how much, <laughs> like right. how much is he gonna, especially transitioning from some of these simple route trees to maybe the more full route tree, even though teams can be flexible. How much are you going to work at it? I mean, we all have days where we don't want to push 100, percent but are you going to do that to become the best thing that you could possibly be? And I think. Johnson has so much potential to be that guy. Um, and even though it's still Baldy, sometimes I sit there and think like, listen, if he even just becomes a guy who's going to run deep overs, he's going to run go routes and maybe that simplified route. You're like, maybe he never lives up to his quote draft pedigree, but he could still be a very useful player in the NFL. It's just that range. I agree with you. It can be, can be interesting. Well, I mean, look, I mean, the number one receiver in the draft last year, and he had a good season uh, was Drake London. And we saw Drake's size. Um, you know, he looks like that guy, you know, in Atlanta. Now, we'll see the development and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, he, he flashed this year. You know, Drake is, is that six-foot-five ex receiver that you're looking for that, you know, can run those routes on the outside, that can beat man coverage, that can use his size to his advantage, that has after-the-catch after type of, um, you know, a, a breakaway ability, all that stuff, you know, like – there's a reason why he was, you know, the number one receiver taken last year. And I don't know that Quinton is Drake yet, you know, or can be. No, yeah. Means to be seen. Yeah. Quinton Johnson, 6'3", 210, ran a 4.5 and has a very interesting 40-inch vertical and in a draft full of small guys <laughs> for teams looking for that size-speed combination, man. Quentin Johnson's going to get an awfully long look. But uh, Baldy, who's a, again, uh, it could be from this list. It can be, you know, a guy we haven't talked about yet. But give me a dark horse receiver that you think could surprise and outperform draft capital. You know, you, you can take Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison to a degree and Jackson Smith and Jigba. You can look at some of these guys and go, are they all the same guy? Now, Zay is five foot nine. You know, Steve Smith, senior, who I respect as much as anybody evaluating this stuff, says he can play outside. He reminds him of himself. He's got that dog. But, you know, in, in this cluster, like, is Josh Downs as good as Jordan Addison? You know, when I watch Josh Downs run routes in North Carolina, like – he looks as good as anybody, you know, like he just looks like a guy. And I know with Sam Howell, you know, look, he's had some good quarterbacks, um, but he looks like a guy. He looks like all these guys, like put him in the slot, yeah. let him go to work. Like he looks like he understands um, spacing. He understands how to beat man coverage. He knows how to separate. He's a good, he knows how to set guys up. But is there a big difference between Josh Downs and Jordan Addison or save flowers? I don't think there's a big difference. 
I'm so glad you said that. I'm doing the, the fist pump over here, Baldy, because uh, number one, I have these. I want to have all these guys in the same tier. I have Josh Downs in the same tier, rankings wise, as Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison. And you know, for the stuff I do for reception perception, charting all the routes and how often they get open, he has the best success rate versus man coverage in in the class for me because of that ability, like you said, to set guys up to win at all three levels. Um, yeah, maybe is he a slot only player? I, I, Maybe, but I think these guys, Flowers and Addison, might be better from the slot. And yeah, Downs' ability to win, I, win contested catches, win 50-50 balls, win in tight coverage despite being the smallest guy among this group is so impressive. I, I, I could easily see him being just as good as Zay Flowers or Jordan Addison. And that's not to say, and I like those players. That's no disrespect to those guys. It's just I think Downs is, is that good from a route running perspective. Well, I mean, look, if, if I was in somebody's war room and we're looking – for receiver, whether, you know, it's a, a specific, you know, slot or your Z or whatever you're looking for. Like I, I, you know, if I'm the GM, I want my area scouts and guys that have studied these guys and gone to the colleges and been on the field game day and watched them warm up and all the stuff. I want them to tell me why Josh Downs isn't as good, if not a better prospect than Jordan Addison. Why isn't he thought of in the same caliber as a flowers? Like just, Pitch him to me. Like, just give it to mm-hmm. me. You know, stand up in front of the room and pitch me Josh Downs. Like, I just want to hear it, you know, and, and put, the, and put the, the plays up there. Let me see them because that's kind of what I see. And that's why, to me, like, I don't see this being a rich draft in receivers because you can't really – because everybody is slotting these guys different for different variables. But you can't yep. just say in this draft – like, Garrett Wilson, to me, was elite last year. Like, his body control reminded me of Devontae Adams. And it it proved to be true this year. Like, his ability just to adjust to the ball continuously looked elite. Drake London's size looked elite. Like, it it didn't surprise me that they were both top 10 picks. The Jets felt like they got the best receiver in the draft. The Falcons felt like they got the best receiver in the draft. Like, it won't surprise me if I don't see one of these guys taken in the top 15. It just won't surprise me. Right. Yeah, and Olave too, like was an elite route runner for a collegiate player, and he had a great season as well. Like we just don't. There's not a guy, and I think James and I are the same page as you on this one. That there's not a guy in this class that I think profiles as yeah, like a top ten pick, like a somebody who could have a Garrett. Even as much as we like Jackson Smith and Jigba, a guy who might not have like the Garrett Wilson like potential superstar. I think type ceiling down the road. Well, look if Jackson. You know, Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba backed up 2021 with the year this year. Like, it'd be a slam dunk. But I, yeah, like, as much as I like him, and I like him, but to not get back on the field, like, I got to know something about the medical, you know, and just what kept him on the sidelines. I, I can't have, mm-hmm. like, there's nothing that will frustrate a head coach in the NFL more than a guy with a hamstring injury, a soft tissue injury. Right. I'm not saying they're all preventable, but why is a guy missing that much time with a soft tissue injury? Like, you know, it's a concern. Yeah, no doubt about it. Jackson Smith and Jigba is an interesting prospect to me as well, just because of uh, he's 6'1", 196, but not a great athlete. You know, I know he looked, he had that suddenness about him um, on the field, but running a 4.53 with a 35-inch vertical, I think that gives me a little bit of pause as well. But you talk about the upside in 2021 uh, at the Rose Bowl. The guy had 15 catches 
for 347 yards with three touchdowns. That's the kind of upside you're getting with J.S. and Baldy. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. I, I want to transition going from players now to teams, okay? They're, look, at the bottom of the draft, these guys need a lot of work, okay? I mean, when we talk about the Tennessees and Atlantis of the world, look, all those teams at the bottom, they, they could certainly use wide receiver help. But what I find interesting is there are some real, I mean, great teams and some really respectable teams, too, that were successful in 2021, but I think they go, excuse me, 2022, but they go into 2023 needing receiver help. I'm going to start with the Super Bowl champions in Kansas City. Uh, Baldy, give me a player or a wide receiver that you think would fit well with Kansas City. They lose Juju to New England, and they enter the season with just Sky Moore, MVS, and Kadarius Toney as their projected starters at wide receiver. Well, my favorite player in all of football at every level is Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, I, I would take oh, yeah. one of us three. And put him <laughs> hey, hey, hey Baldy, I don't, I don't know about that, man. I mean, I got the size. I'm like 6'3", 200. Look, I mean, Patrick's going to give you a whatever, ticket but... down to Dallas. We're going to be on the field tomorrow. He's going to find out oh, what you like to run. And he's gonna my my shoulders, my shoulders shredded. My knee is shredded. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I'd be in a tough spot there, but I, but I, yeah, you're right though. He could at least probably win. He would win the game. I don't know how much like production we're putting up, but Hey, that's just me. Well, I mean, look, Sky Moore, you know, Sky Moore was a rookie just learning the offense. I mean, that's that offense. Talk to anybody. It's not an easy offense to learn. He was still had some production and Cardarius found his way. Now there's no McCall Hardman, you know, anymore. So, like, both those guys are going to get a chance to step up. Now, do I feel like Kansas City with – I don't know how many picks they have. Like, they have a ton of compensatory picks. Um, we saw, you know, we, we saw them in the draft, whether it's defensive backs or Pacheco, seventh-round picks come in, you know, Watson, Pacheco, seventh-rounders come in and contribute in a big way. So, you got to believe that anybody they draft – and I don't know, they have ten picks. Like, anybody they pick – you feel like they're going to have a chance. Probably not in the first round. They don't need to do that. But, you know, they've got, you know, two fourth-round picks. You know, there could be a lot of guys there, you know, in the fourth round. 
Yeah, I feel like they could go any like different direction with the receiver room because, like you mentioned, they might not be counting on like a young player right away. They, I think, they're more confident about Sky Moore and maybe Kadarius Tony. And I, look, MVS gave him some moments last year too. It had a great one, great playoff game for yes, sure. So, yeah. Then obviously, as long as they have Travis Kelsey, like I think they can continue to revolve the universe, the passing game around Kelsey. So, I think they could go with like an X receiver type and maybe look at like, hey. He can learn behind MVS for a little bit, or maybe they could go with a slot receiver type. Uh, I like, um, I mean, I, I like a Jonathan Mingo type for them because I think Mingo could potentially be a big slot receiver in that juju mold, um, or they could have him hack some stuff outside with his size and, and and stuff. But I'm I'm like obsessed with Mingo's transition to a potential power slot role, and that would be pretty fun for Kansas City. Okay. All right, let me get let me throw another team out there for you. Buffalo, they won 13 games. They're they're again, I'm going to go into 2023 with Super Bowl aspirations. I know last year was a little bit of a disappointment for them, but again, I look at that wide receiver room, Baldy, outside of Diggs, oh man, they, these guys need a separator, man. I know Khalil Shakir uh, could potentially take a step forward and contribute. Gabe Davis, I thought, took a step back last year. But, I mean, between Shakir and Davis, I look at those guys as really solid rotational wide receivers. I think they need a starter. Is there a receiver that in this draft where you say, okay, this guy separates, he could step in day one for Buffalo and contribute? I don't know. Could Rishi Rice from SMU be a guy like that in the second round? I don't think they're going to spend – I don't think they have to spend a first round pick. I mean, Stefan Diggs was a fifth round pick and he's their number one guy. I mean, but could Rishi Rice could, uh, I don't know, Rakeem Jarrett. I mean, could some of these guys step into a role like that, you know, in the second round, could Marvin Mims who look, you put Caleb Williams with them. He looked like he was pretty elite. You take Caleb yeah. Williams out, he takes a step back, but you know, I know he can flat out run, um, you know, and he could flash, you know, could one of these guys, you know, the, the one thing that you have to factor in, and I think this leads to some frustration sometimes with Diggs and with all the receivers is Josh Allen does so much off schedule and he's quickly off schedule. Sometimes, sometimes it could be, you know, in Cincinnati, you know, the playoff game where they were, you know, awful at home, you know, Josh Allen, I mean, they broke down up front over and over again. Every one of their linemen broke down. And Josh was on the move early. And so you have to learn how to play with Josh Allen. I think Diggs knows how to do that at times. He knows how to uncover. He knows scramble drills. I think it frustrates, or I'm not saying it frustrates, because I don't know this for a fact. But it looks like Gabe Davis isn't all clued in about that, how to do that. Josh Allen is rolling to his right. He's, you know, he's on the other side of the field. Like, how do you get into the vision? you know, Josh Allen when his exit is, you know, stage right and you're on the other side of the field. Like some of it is learning how to play with Josh because I don't think that's really going to change. Like you can say, well, he's got to stay in the pocket more. Okay. That's not really what Good he does. Luck. You know, so <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like any of these guys, like it's one thing to learn the offense, run the offense, understand the offense. And then it's another thing. Okay. What are we doing beyond the X's and O's? And how are you going to get open? Because, like, if you look at some of the elite receivers in the history of this game, whether it's Antonio Brown or Terrell Owens, I mean, so many of their catches came after the play broke down and right. their quarterbacks had to adjust. And I feel like that's anybody you take. Um, they have to learn how to, to do that. Yeah, and, and the tight ends included. they got to learn how to play with Josh to be effective. All right, so follow-up question for you there, Baldy. Is there a receiver in this class 
that showed any of those kind of traits, the, the freestyle or for a little wheeling and dealing can go off schedule and make some plays? Well, Zay Flowers does that. I mean, Zay, Zay does that, you know, Boston College. But, um, you know, I think Josh Downs does that. I mean, I, I think he's a guy that can flat out do that kind of stuff. I mean, if you look at, you know, why did they bring Cole Beasley back in Buffalo? Because he knew how to do that stuff from the slot. Like mm -hmm. he knew, like I, I still hear this in my head. I remember Eli Manning in New York, like it was just getting like bruised and battered in a playoff game against San Francisco. And, you know, he's wired up that game. And he's, he's looking out through the ear hole, you know, just getting, you know, just getting just busted up. And he's in the huddle just going, look, if you're not, if you're not open in the first window, then get to the second window. I'll get you the ball. And I feel like Cole Beasley understood that with Josh. Like, okay. Um, like he just knew how to keep coming, you know, or whether to stop because it was his own. Or, you know, like he just knew man zone coverage, where the opening was when to keep coming and, uh, you know, to stay with you. Like, that's why they brought him back this year. You know, like he, Josh trusted him. Yeah. I've actually had the conversation with both Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs separately that they'll, Josh will say to him, like, I don't care if the assigned route depth is, is eight yards. If you're open at seven or you're open at nine or open at 10, as long as you're open, you can freestyle and I'll, I'll let you. So those guys have that connection, but it has been a struggle with everybody else except Beasley. I, I like the Zay Flowers thing because I mean, that guy was used to making off-schedule plays and, you know, getting open even when the quarterback broke down and just, just didn't have the quarterback play to get him the ball necessarily. But obviously with Josh Allen, that would be a that'd be good fit. I, I like that even if, if they don't spend a round one pick, which is probably what it would take to get Zay Flowers. All right, let me throw two teams out there and just very quickly since we're running a little short on time here, Baldy. Okay. Pittsburgh was 9-8 and eight last season. Uh, you know, I think it's particularly a great draft for Pittsburgh because I think they really do need to find a capable slot man to pair with two pretty good outside wide receivers and Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. And you've got Minnesota as well. I mean, Thielen goes to Carolina, and my God, outside of Justin Jefferson, they got nothing. Uh, and when you're talking about, you know, a 34-year-old Kirky Cousins, man, they need some receiver help as well. Uh, Pittsburgh and Minnesota – Give me two receivers that you think uh, could, again, drop in and, and, and contribute right away. So there's a new regime in Pittsburgh, you know, doing all this draft work and going to make the selections. Of course, Mike T will be in the room. So it all goes through him. But, you know, I feel like like they have some, you know, they've got four picks in the first three rounds, two second rounders. They got, you know, first pick in the second round. So, you know, ultimately they have two first round picks. So they're not coming out of the first round, you know, either pick 31 or one, I mean, 17 or 32. They're not coming out of there without an offensive line. Number one, yeah. like they're building this offensive line. So whether yeah. it's an offensive tackle, you know, which, which my guess is they need a corner really bad. And I would say third would be receiver in order. Like I would say offensive lineman, maybe two. Because it's a good draft for centers. Like, I can yep. see a tackle, center, and a, and a corner. So mm. then, okay, receiver. All right, you got Deontay Johnson who can play outside. He's an outside guy. And Pickens can be a flat-out star. So, you know, the no, you know, Juju left. They didn't really have the slot guy. You know, so you're looking at a slot guy. And so, you know, I don't know. Like, I almost kind of think, like, Maybe they shouldn't go any further than Pittsburgh and look at Jared Wayne, you know, like I, I just think he's a productive guy, but um, like, I, I feel like there's a bunch of guys 
you know, kind of like that Josh Downs that might be there in the second or third round that might be that kind of a player. You know, um, I don't want to just pick a name because there's so many guys to choose from here, but I feel like it's going to be their third choice in their draft process is going to be the receiver. Because I feel like, you know, they still have um, – I was at – I remember I was at practice last year in Latrobe, and uh, Cody – Cody White, who hmm. is Sheldon White's son, who's on their staff and played at Michigan State, got hurt that day. And I just remember how high they were on Cody White. And he missed the season, I think, with a bad shoulder. So I know we, we look at Deontay and we look at, you know, Pickens and we go, okay, that's all. But I, I feel like Cody White's coming back and he might be a pretty good player in this scheme with, with Kenny Pickett. And what about Minnesota. Justin Jefferson is so good that literally you just – they have K.J. Osborne. Honestly, if you're not targeting Justin Jefferson 15 times, like you're just not trying. You know, he's just <laughs> that good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I always say about Jefferson is that he's got two plans every play. He's got a plan to get open, and he's got a plan after the catch. Um, like I remember the Rams came to play Minnesota two years ago, and Odell Beckham was there with the Rams. And the, the, the undershirt he was wearing, warming up before the game, was a shirt with Justin Jefferson on it. Like, it's his little yeah. brother. Like, <laughs> so they've got Jefferson, they've got tight ends, they've got backs, they've got – but they need – I do believe, like, Adam Thielen was a free agent, you know, at a Mankato State and became a Pro Bowl receiver. Kevin O'Connell, you know, was there with, with the Rams, you know, when Cooper Cup was, I don't know, third or fourth-round pick – became the number one receiver in the NFL. Like, I don't think they have to go crazy here, you know, just because it's a position of need with the 23rd pick to use their first round pick on a receiver. I, I just don't think that I know a lot of mock drafts have them doing it, but I just feel like Justin Jefferson is so dominant. Like, why would you bring a first round receiver in? Like he's still going to get 12, 15 targets every game. You know, just, you can draft a third round guy, fourth round guy, and let them learn the offense, feed KJ and, and Jefferson and, you know, and work them in. And, you know, maybe they can, you know, find a way that, okay, once Jefferson is just completely taken away, we mm. could go to this guy here. Yeah, TJ yeah. Hawkinson might be a tight end that sees like 100-plus targets in that offense because, man, there's not I mean, a whole lot week of there. You know, he came from Detroit, straight for Detroit the first week. I know. I think it was maybe Washington. I forget. But, I, like, he was – their number one receiver the first week yep. he was there. Especially when you don't, I mean, no disrespect to Kirk Cousins, but like it works in Cincinnati. They have, you know, two basically number one receivers and T Higgins and Jamar Chase. And they even have a really good slot receiver in Tyler Boyd. But he's like such a high, Joe Burrow is such a high level, like point guard distributor type of guy. It's going to be tough to feed everybody when you also made a big deal for TJ Hawkinson. You have Justin Jefferson. I love it, Baldy. Like, yeah, are you really trying if you don't feed this guy 15 targets? And they want to run the football as well. Like, it gets a little tough, uh, the target pecking order there, if you've got a first-round receiver in the building as well. All right, so yeah. there you go, man. A, a full-on breakdown here by uh, the man of the breakdowns, Baldy's breakdowns. Uh, Brian Baldinger joining the program here today. Um, hey, listen, we got you on here, man, because you're going to be hosting alongside Jason LaConfora yeah. the Odyssey NFL Draft Show. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, we just did a, a run-through, but on draft, draft night of the first round in Kansas City, uh, Thursday, April 27th, we're going to do a, a – 
draft national draft show in the Odyssey Sports app. Uh, we'll be on a screen just like this. Um, and we're going to track every single pick starting from an hour before. We'll probably have, you know, a quarterback guru on talking about the quarterbacks at the very top of the draft. We'll have a good prelude into it if there's any draft trades uh, coming up uh, that we can foresee, any type of movement that happens between now and April 21st. But we're carrying every pick live. Uh, we've got 15 different Odyssey podcasts like yourself um, that we're going to go to when these picks are made, uh, whether it's a particular city or we're just talking about a wide receiver taken that we're going to plug into. So we're going to get up to the date information, insight on anybody who's selected. And we're going to go right through the 31st pick, which is Kansas City. And uh, we're going to carry everything live. And we're excited because we've been studying this stuff for a long time. We need outlets to get our information out there. And I think this is going to be highly entertaining. I think it's going to be really well run as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Anytime we get more Baldinger, uh, I think that's a good day. Hey, listen, before I let you go, I'm going to throw something super random out there. And, and you're the perfect person to ask because you're super honest. You're raw. You're the real deal. I don't want you to lie at all, Baldy. Okay. But there's a running joke on this podcast because Matt and I both worked at NFL Network. And we always say we have this joke of, oh, our former colleague, such and such. I'm, I'm going to ask you straight away and be completely 100% honest. Do you, it's been five nope. years since either of us have nope. been there. Nope. Do you, he's already, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I've had, look, and it's not a, it's not a disrespect. No, it's I just, know. Yeah. It, it, it's not a disrespect. I literally, and I know it can sound like it is, but I know the question. I, I, I live in an absolute bubble when I'm in that building. I, you know, I don't live there, so I just go out there on occasion. Right. But when I'm there, I'm literally, you know, when we're in Culver, like Deion Sanders' room was my film room, um, even before it became Deion's room. That was my film room. And I literally live in there until there's a meeting or until there's a show. And I'm just doing my work. And so I don't even know. I still don't know people <laughs> that work there, you know? And 100%. It's just yeah. – it, it, I'm, I'm guilty as charged. Hey, dude, it's all good. I love asking that question, especially to you, because I know you're going to give it to us real, man. Uh, but the great Brian Baldinger on the show, man. Uh, we appreciate your time. Be sure to check out his coverage on NFL Draft Round 1, April 27th, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. Baldy, we appreciate the time, man. Yep, my, my pleasure, guys. Thanks. That was funny. Um, That's great, yeah. <laughs> yeah I was, Former colleague. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm so glad that he gave the answer to, that he did too that was awesome Just, nope uh, <laughs> nope you, not even gonna let you even ask the question nope don't don't know who you guys are at all all right uh that's great okay so matt that was brian baldinger um last question for you before we get the hell out of here um final thoughts on this upcoming uh wide receiver class and the draft um the reception perception the show you're going to be part uh, of odyssey's draft coverage as well we're going to again hear from brian baldinger jason like all those kind of things uh but final thoughts uh, on what you heard from baldy I think, you know, especially when we went into the team stuff, it it's I think so much of this draft is going to come down to fit, you know, come down to fit on the team for these receivers. And, you know, it's what makes it's what makes these pre-draft shows so fun, but also so frustrating is that, um, you know, I, I can tell you so much more about how I'm going to feel about Jordan Addison or Zay Flowers when I know what team they're going to be lining up for. You know, <laughs> okay. not just from a fantasy perspective, which is so obvious. Like, okay, 
I can't tell you who's going to be better in fantasy between these two guys until I know who's going to be throwing them the football, what offense they're going to be playing in, yada, yada, yada. But like, even more so, it's going to be so much more. And I don't know that everybody else feels this way, but I feel this way, that it's going to be so much more fun to talk about Zay Flowers and what he's going to do in the NFL when I know where he's going to be playing and how he might fit with the receivers that are already on the roster because receiver has just gotten to a point where typologically these guys are so different alignment is so unique for each individual team that man i i just tell me the other receivers in the room and the quarterback that he's playing with like baldy said so much of that like the Diggs and allen example is great like those guys have such a unique chemistry but then it's just like the feel that other guys have for each other I, I i just can't wait to see where these guys get drafted and then we could really have a big big conversation about them all well, I tell you what, uh, hopefully one of these receivers gets drafted when you jump onto the um, onto that Odyssey show, man. I, I know that's going to be a lot of fun, but again, that's uh, April 27th. They're going to do full first round coverage, and uh, at some point, I would imagine you're going to hear your boy here, uh, Matt Harmon, on their program as well. But it's going to be on the Odyssey app. Be sure to listen to it there, and of course, on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page as well okay so listen uh if this is the first time you've heard from us um well okay great we we would love if you would like and subscribe to the program and of course go check out matt's own youtube page as well where a lot of these breakdowns uh are being funneled out there on the youtube platform as well okay but our time does run short for matt Harmon. i'm james Coe. we'll see you